Hello there everybody and welcome to this episode of Game On Blockchain, your one-stop shop for the latest news, reviews, interviews and everything else decentralized. Now, these last couple of weeks are shaping up to be pretty interesting ones. Those of you that have been paying attention over the course of last week had known that Zero X Races has been kickstarting its pre-sale. So not only getting started on Ethereum, but EOS and Tron respectively. And according to metrics from DAP Radar, it seems to be that Tron is really kicking ahead compared to the other two. I think with over 2.3 million Tron being chipped in by the community. So clearly there are a lot of racing fans on Tron alone. But apart from that, we've also got the integration of Wax's full blockchain getting launched onto the mainnet. And there are a few applicants already coming in for its guild features, which we'll be diving into a little bit later on over the course of this week. But more specifically, for this week coming, we've actually got a couple of events that some of our team are going to be attending. So, Develop Brighton, really big gaming in gaming and influencing event. We've got a couple of blockchain titles that are coming down to that one too. So we've got Tony Pierce and the team from Reality Clash. They're going to be disclosing what is going on during phase two of their title. So from what we've seen already, augmented reality first person shooter, a additional marketplace and a lot more trading activity going on with OpenSea, selling its non-fungible tokens, skins, and weapons. So we're interested to see what's going on with phase two and what they have in mind. We're going to be hopefully speaking to Tony Pierce sometime this week, getting a little bit of a debrief about uh, develop. That'll be a little bit of an interesting alliteration. Meanwhile, however, those of us that are more London bound, more specifically than others, myself included, are going to be attending FinTech Week. Now, there's a couple of nuggets of gold within that sort of digital gold, I should say. Within that event, we've got Shane Kaho of SVK Crypto. We've got some of the team from Atari as well. So we're going to be catching up with them. But this is all going off on a tangent. What you came here to hear is Block Lords. Now, the most recent news from them is the fact that they've managed to launch not only on Tron, which happened several months ago, but they've also launched on Neo very recently. So Without further ado, we speak to David Johansson of the Blockwards team in order to find out just what they have in mind longer term for for Blocklords. They have their minds on Tron. They've launched on Tron and Neo, but they're on to something a bit more blockchain agnostic. So without further ado, let's dive into it. It's great to finally catch up and find out more about Blockwards because I think we'd, we started covering the project like some time ago, I think last year. And... I've been looking at just how it's been integrating with various blockchains. So it'd be good to get a rundown from yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've worked in the game industry for the last six years, basically. So good uh, And I've been based here in China, so I've lived here for that long. And uh, I just got really interested in blockchain in early 2017. And right away I saw, okay, there's, there's a lot of potential for games 
and blockchain to work together, you know, and it's, it's perfect for a lot of reasons. Like it can be monetized easily for the users. And, uh, sorry, are you still there? Oh yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Yeah. I hear a little weird feedback. Yeah. So, uh, I just, I just knew there was a connection, but I wasn't quite sure how to integrate blockchain into games. And then crypto kitties came out in late 2017 and there was this huge bubble and that's when it kind of clicked to me like, okay, now the tech is ready. There's actually a smart contract way to make games happen and uh that's sort of when the idea for Blockboard started happening like in the spring of 2018 and uh, i'd worked on strategy games before and uh, i i don't know how but the idea just kind of came to me over over a period of one month and i just sat down and wrote a white paper and was like okay let's let's make this project happen now but this was right when the bear market started so it was a bit hard to get you know interested people to come in everyone was just worried that their value was dropping 20 percent a day you know and uh just out of sheer luck basically a month after i wrote the white paper and started sending it around to friends and people i thought might be interested uh neo announced their neo.game competition so this was in may last year and i just took a look at the competition itself and it was based in shanghai so we had an uh potential to meet them directly. And uh, that's really when we started development and we started developing an, uh, a demo for Neo. And it was, uh, we worked really hard for three months and I got a team together and uh, we were lucky enough to win uh, the second prize, I think it was. So we won 500,000 UN, which is about uh, $60,000. And that's really what kickstarted a whole thing. And, uh, but I'm, I'm sure as you know, making games and blockchain games, especially, is really expensive and takes a lot of time. So what happened is we ran out of money uh, after about six months. And what we did is we entered into the Tron Accelerator competition, which happened in January. And we were lucky enough to win that as well. And that's what kept us going all the way up until launch. Fantastic stuff. And I mean, for both of those competitions in particular, I mean, the Accelerator from Tron, the Neo competition, I mean, uh, did the judges like, inform you as to what really allowed Blocklords to stand out amongst the crowd and what really excites them about it. Because honestly, I find that the medieval concept is something that kind of lends itself quite well to blockchain technology. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, think, I think just the idea, I don't know what came to me first, if it was the concept of medieval or if it was the name just Blocklords. <laughs> I thought it was a really cool name from the moment I, I came up with it. And uh, I, I think... Uh, it was a whole package, to be honest. We, we added something new that was still doable because the concept of CryptoKitties is you have a kitty, an NFT, and then you trade that NFT with someone else and you can breed new NFTs. And that's a really cool concept in itself. And I just, I just thought, okay, but what if we take the concept of owning land, which is very com common in a strategy game and which was getting uh, popular with games like Decentraland, and what if you add the concept of taxation plus the concept of trade? So what I kind of did was combine a lot of different elements that were already common in strategy game, already common in blockchain games, and put it together into a neat medieval package. So that was one part of it, is that it was it was doable with existing technology, but at the same time, adding something new to it. I think that was a big part of the draw. And the second part is just our team's experience. Like, we all come from the game industry. We've all worked in China. We've worked for some pretty big companies around here. And we have a great artist uh, sitting right next to me right now. And he's just, uh, he was able to draw it all into a really attractive package that I think both Neo and Tron were like, okay, this is the kind of game we want on our blockchain. 
artistic. I mean, yeah, I can certainly say that the the artist um, the artistic assets that we've seen has certainly been interesting. And honestly, I mean, it's it seems like a pretty impressive application of blockchain and smart contract solutions for that kind of region of that kind of region of history and time. It's it lends itself remarkably well. And I just kind of wanted to dig into both Neo and Tron in this sort of standpoint. But with Tron being in within an accelerator, I mean, how much support have you found um, these two initiatives have provided you in the team over the course of the last year or so? Oh, they, they've been they've been really great. Both blockchains have. Uh, first off, they gave us that initial kickstart mm-hmm. uh, with some funds that meant we could pay some programmers and pay, add some extra team members. And uh, they helped us with tech support all along the way whenever we had a problem. I mean, a lot of stuff we had to come up with solutions ourselves, but they were always there and trying to help us where they could. Uh, I mean, you know, Tron and and Neo are very different blockchains. I'd say Tron had uh, definitely had the speed elements. Transaction times are block times are faster, which suits itself better for games. Because obviously, when you're playing a game, you don't want to wait 30 seconds to a minute per transaction. So Tron had the benefit of that, and Tron definitely has some good marketing going for them, and uh, so did Neo. They really, they're, they've both been really helpful in many ways. I can certainly imagine. I mean, there's been a great deal of activity that we've seen from Neo, specifically in like the region of Asia, East Asia. They've they've not been so present in the Western Hemisphere, but from what I've seen, they've been like steadily creating a extended nucleus of blockchain game projects that can really stand out. I mean. One of the preeminent examples we've seen in the past has been uh, Blackhat, the collaborative gaming platform that they've been creating over the last like six months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, I, I'd say Neo has some disadvantages with developing on them for for, for games mm-hmm. because of UTXO issues, and um, it, it it can make transaction times, it can make some transactions get rejected by nodes. And uh, obviously, our programmer knows more about this stuff than I do. But um, I, I think Neo has a great community and has a good blockchain. And I'm really excited about what's coming to 3.0. But we do we do feel that we did have a bit, a bit of an easier time to develop on Tron. Yeah, I can certainly imagine. So I think there are certain things within the Tron project that just allow for a lot more streamlining for game developers as well as users. So. They, they work with their community quite consistently, especially when it comes to their, it's not their validators, it's their, um, I, I forget what. Super, super representatives? Yes, super no. representatives. I've been, yeah, yeah. I've been talking about those, uh, those guys as well as validators from Icon and Loom's Plasma Chain, so that's why I'm getting flummoxed on those ones, but. Yeah. And actually, both Icon and Loom, our two blockchains, we're very interested in, uh, in developing on for the future. Oh, really? So I've been in touch with both of those teams. So is the long-term objective for Blocklords to become a, a little bit more uh, chain agnostic, as in to be available across multiple chains? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I mm. think right now it's still too early to have like a clear winner in the battle of blockchain. And right now, like like I said, it was vastly different. Uh, we had diff- vastly different problems developing on Tron than we did on Neo, and I'm sure we'll have similar issues when we develop on other blockchains. But they also all have different benefits. So I think right now we're in this early period where we don't know which way to make blockchain games is the best yet, 
And as a company, as a studio, we really need to be open to trying it all out and seeing which one will give us the most benefit so that in order to continue developing games in the future or make new games or improve existing games, we know, okay, this is the best choice for us. And of course, something we're very interested in, which I think both Icon and, and Loom could be a great help with, is how do we connect games, that, or sorry, uh, versions of the game that are on different blockchains? How can we blend it all together into one universe? This is something I'm very interested in personally. Yeah, I have to say that's that's a question that comes up in my mind a lot as well because, I mean, we've we've seen the the whole process of multiple chain interoperability or even just allowing for the game to be available across multiple blockchain solutions to go from this relatively fringe thing to becoming a lot more commonplace. And there are still some outlying questions that we should have about what it really entails for not only for the game in question, but for like the development teams, for the more like tech minded within those teams. Because I mean it comes not only with the singular issues of each of these blockchains, but also with the broader complications that come with trying to make those players communicate with each other on a baseline level, but also to allow for items to be interoperable across those chains. There are a lot of complications, I think, that come with that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the beauty of it in some aspects. The, the answer isn't clear right now. And the answer of what the players want isn't that clear either. Like right now, we're in a really sectarian market, I'd say. Like each blockchain fan only believes in their blockchain. And some of them even believe that when you develop on another blockchain, you're you're betraying the old blockchain for some reason. But at the same time, I think if we want crypto games or blockchain in general to reach a wider audience, we kind of have to realize that that most most players don't care. Most players don't care about what the underlying text architecture that supports your game is. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. And so the question is, how how can we sell the concept of blockchain games to a player who doesn't care about different blockchain platforms? Or is that even possible? And what I think it comes down to is the, the idea that you can play a game and you can actually, in the future, own those assets and monetize those assets in a liquid way however you want. I think that's that's the idea that I find really interesting. And I'm not sure if, if being hardcore supporter of one chain is the way to do that. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, that's something that is that certainly presents a drawback for the community at large because we're, I think it's it's a part of the course that we're going to inevitably have a certain core of maximalists of a certain kind of chain because they're so hell-bent on the ideas behind it of what it represents in its white paper. But overall, I mean, it also kind of depends on the kind of market that these blockchain games are trying to cater to. If they're trying to... Uh, speak to a core audience of very technically minded people or if they're trying to reach a mass audience in which case much as you said they don't really care about what chain it's on they care about if they can trade assets with their mate who uses uh, a scatter wallet versus if they use a metamask for its late iteration yeah and i mean this is this is something we'll have to figure out with time i mean early on i knew that right now where we are in the development of blockchain games and and you know, DAP development in general and uh, wallet usage, we're still at, at a very early point where we can't really expect the usual average Joe player to figure all this stuff out. So we've, we've definitely in this early stage of our development right now, we are targeting and we're trying to reach as many 
for the Tron version, we're trying to reach as many Tron fans as possible. For the Neo version, we're trying to reach as many Neo users as possible. This is also a way to build a community to, to get to get feedback from those different players. And actually, what we're noticing is Tron players have a very different playing style than Neo players have because they, they value different things, if that makes sense. No, I, I certainly agree. And it, it does remain an interesting complication, but I mean, if it's any consolation to blockchain and the associated blockchain game developers, I mean, the fact that we've seen a couple of blockchains that have, I mean, at the longest been around for just under a decade versus those newer that have been around for two to one year tops, it's a remarkable <coughs> amount of progress that we've seen already. And it's, it's going to be interesting going through 2019 and seeing just what we can really cook up in order to solve this interoperability matter. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, we're, we're looking into Loom right now, and that looks really interesting because they've already mm -hmm. built a bridge between Ethereum and uh, Tron. And uh, I'm really excited to, to try that out and see if we can make it work. Yeah, I'm honestly excited about hearing about what Matthew Campbell, the uh, CEO, has in mind for the future and just how they're able to like knock that one out of the park. Because I mean, on its on its baseline level, when Loom was first introduced as a like a layer two plasma chain solution for Ethereum, that in itself was a revelation in that sort of space. So to add that over yeah. to another blockchain while also making it quite open to the various tokens is Quite remarkable. I mean, it really allows for streamlining of onboarding. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, when it comes to block lords in question, I mean, just wanted to kind of dive into a little bit more of the technical aspect of it, because as you said, uh, there's a leveraging of smart contract solutions when it comes to land ownership. I just wanted to kind of dig more into the core mechanics and and just how players can make use of blockchain in order to greater enrich their experience within the game yeah so i'll, I'll just walk you through the the core mechanics of the game mm -hmm. and uh basically when you get started either on the neo or tron version it's basically the same the gameplay is the same uh you're, you're given the choice between three heroes and each hero has a different look and different stats and different items now the items the items and the hero himself are all they're not NFTs like in other games. They're actually just assets within the smart contract that are owned by your wallet. So it's slightly different than NFTs in that they can't be traded on an outside exchange. And the reason we did that is because we built the entire game around the tax incentive. And so we, we, we thought it'd be kind of pointless if players could just evade the entire tax incentive by trading outside of the game. Uh, so you, you can create your, your own hero, and then uh, once you create him, that's a, a blockchain transaction that'll be uh, imprinted into the smart contract. And at that point, you, your wallet can only own one hero currently. And uh, then you're basically taken to a map of medieval Europe, and on that map there are 26 cities, and 30 strongholds, and 30 bandits. Uh, strongholds is where you go to earn items. Items are dropped once every uh, every 40 minutes, basically. So it's 800 blocks on the Tron network and uh, 80 blocks on the Neo network. And those items vary in quality from uh, special, which is uh, green in most games, and then legendary, which is orange in most games, if you think about most uh, free-to-play games nowadays. And those items can be upgraded 
by uh, fighting bandit battles, uh, which are through the map. So basically, you the, the logic is you earn an item that's higher quality than your initial starting item. You can uh, level up that item by fighting bandits. And then once your hero is strong enough, what you can do is you can attack cities. Cities are owned by like more powerful lower lords. This is like for late gamers. And uh, it, it's going to take a few attacks to uh, take down a hero who owns a city. Once you take over a city, you become uh, the owner of the city on the smart contract, which means that anytime anyone wants to sell an item on, on the blockchain, or sorry, in that city, they will have to basically pay a fee to you as the lord. And in order to make that a little more uh, uh, interesting to have a city, we got ideas from like those dividend games that were popular on Tron a few months ago. So basically every time there's an attack on a city, 50% of that fee will go to a city coffer, which is like the city's treasure chest, if you will. And once a week, every 150,000 blocks, 30% uh, of this treasure chest will go to the city lord. So that's basically the main gameplay we have in our game currently. Interesting stuff. So it's it's very much kind of borrowing from the old like feudalistic system of lordships and fiefdoms that have a certain amount of income tax revenue depending on who their like who their residents are and who would be visiting that place. Yeah, definitely. That's that's kind of what got this all started. And uh, in future versions, we. We're planning to expand on that further by adding a nation system. So basically, you'll have common citizens, and then you'll have lords, and citizens pay taxes to lords, and then lords of a nation will have to elect a king, because that's how the feudal system was, really. The king, either he was the general of the army, or he was just supported by the feudal lords. So in our system, we will make the, the city lords support a king, and they will pay taxes to the king, and the king will have basically the power to declare war against other nations and also the power to research new technology, which will give every citizen bonuses. Interesting. So yeah, we're definitely taking that feudal concept uh, <laughs> to a new, to a new level. No, I, I do have to say, I mean, I like personally as somebody with an interest in history, I've always had a particular affinity for when, people try and incorporate a certain amount of historiosity into the mechanics of the game. So it's for that reason, I'm kind of interested as to how leveraging blockchain can really help to emulate that sort of situation. And it's from what yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Well, that's what I was going. And uh, I mean, with the smart contracts, what's cool is you can take that tax system, you can make up basically whatever tax system and add it directly into the gameplay, which I think, other games like you know Total War or Crusader Kings or more more traditional strategic games, they do have tax systems, but usually because there's no real money involved, it doesn't really have any weight. Whereas we're really trying to make that the core of our game. Stuff, and it's it's from understanding those mechanics a little bit more that I can understand the kind of challenges that there must be with leveraging multiple chains in order to allow for not only a great spread of players, but also how you would kind of click them in. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think at that at this point, I do think that's that's our challenge as a company, you know, as a small company with not a lot of marketing resources. I feel that's really what I need to do the most is explain, okay, these are the economic incentives of the game, but it's still kind of a fun game. 
No, it's, it certainly sounds like it. And it has all of the kind of components there in order to really appeal to those that are like historically minded, strategy minded, but and also people who just want a like medieval themed game. I mean, we can see just how much traction the mainstream is getting for that with titles like Wardow recently. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, with yourself being based in China as well, how have you been finding the popularity of Neo is with blockchain game developers over there? Is it quite a is it quite a preeminent sort of blockchain solution over there? Because I have to admit, it's it's an emerging market for ourselves, and we're only like getting our debut in Hong Kong this month. So it'd be interesting, to kind of get your insight on that, being more experienced in the area. Uh, I think Neo has a good presence here, uh, as well as Ontology has a good presence in China, and uh, EOS. A lot of people are fans of EOS. China usually likes the flavor of the month when it comes to crypto, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, but EOS has been very big through last year, which is kind of dying down now. And uh, I hear a lot of people being excited about Polkadot. I don't know if you know that one. They're they're doing the same thing as Icon, basically interconnecting chains. Oh no, Polkadot makes perfect sense. I've had um, our colleague John that's been speaking to not only Polkadot but also uh, Tendermint, which has been a good sort of like, sub-level solution, but. It's, it's been interesting as well because Ontology recently partnered up with Gummy Cryptos in order to gain a bit more exposure into the Japanese market, from what I can hear. So they're certainly getting traction in that space. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that makes perfect sense because I think with Neo, I mean, the, the first time I saw it making the rounds is when it was, it was kind of approaching people as a real, a credible Ethereum challenger. And we're seeing a lot more from them, but not only them, but also with like EOS as well. I think at one point we discussed a couple of the games like EOS Knights from which they're able to really surpass transaction speeds of Ethereum because of the absence of need for transaction fees, which is a kind of good plus. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it becomes a bit of a worry because you are you are seeing a lot of games on Ontology, on, on EOS, on Tron 2, by the way, that are... Um, that have very high transaction amounts, but that also, to me, don't really look realistic. And uh, especially when I see a game that has like 5,000 average users every day without going up or down, I mean, to me, it feels like a lot of bots, you know? And uh, I've, I've seen, uh, I don't know who it was who reported, there was some scientific report last month that said that like 50% of all EOS transactions are bots. So that, that is the problem when you see free tech transactions, and especially when blockchains measure their worth in amount of transactions. It, the question is, can we really trust that those are real users? Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I mean, it's on a couple of occasions we've actually seen from like the more quote-unquote conventional or the older blockchain solutions like Ethereum, even with Waves platform recently with Flossed in Paradise, we'd seen a number of players making use of bots and automating transactions in order to really gain an advantage. So it does it does bring up the broader question of fairness within this system because it's not only about fairness to onlookers who see the underlying amount of users and transactions going through on something like Tron, but then also to potential investors. I mean, if you've got a bunch of artificial entities pumping up the transaction rates and as a result, maybe even causing some kind of overt reaction in the price of its underlying token, 
how is that exactly fair to sell over to a potential investor? Exactly, exactly. And this is, I mean, we're we're blessed in one way because our our game is so is so is so uh, heavy in data that it's sending that the fees, like the transaction fees, are too high for us to have bots. Because even if we used a lot of bots to just generate fake transactions in our games, it would just it, it would just cost too much. It wouldn't make sense. So we don't even have the temptation of using bots. But in these days, to get an investor, usually they don't care about revenue. They don't care about ARPU. They only care how many active users do you have, how many transactions are they making. And and to me, it's like you say, it's a bit of a the fairness question. It's like, okay, we could make a bunch of fair, fake transactions and make it sound like we're very popular when actually nobody's actually playing the game. Or do we focus on those you know, 50 to 100 players that we have and try to keep them as active as possible without pumping the numbers. Yeah, that's where it gets to be a little bit of a, a challenge in Catch-22 because, I mean, in order to gain the recognition of, like, certain more established investors, I'm certain that they'll be looking at multiple digits for consumer traffic as opposed to, like, tens or hundreds, which could be a serious disadvantage because if you've got a really unique concept and you're trying to really drive up the numbers, if an investor won't look at you if you've got less than tens of thousands, that gets to be a little bit like a, something that can really drive pressure. I mean, we're seeing it with more blockchain-based like funding programs now. I mean, Forte, I think you need an existing user marketplace of about 50,000, which is... I think I I can't really count off the count off my hands how many blockchain titles have that sort of traction. Yeah, exactly, and that's and that's why we haven't seen you know traditional game studios or company jump into blockchain yet. Because I mean, it's sad, but I mean we're very happy over the few hundred users we have, and, and we love them, and and we want to keep growing that base. But if we show those numbers to a traditional gaming studio, whose last game was five hundred thousand monthly active users. And they're barely made ends meet. You know, they're going to look at a few hundred users and be like, "What is this? Why should I invest the next three years of our studio's life on a blockchain game when the user base isn't even that stable or close to what we could have with a mobile game yet?" No, oh, exactly. It really needs to get over that hump of mass adoption. But it's honestly another consolation for blockchain game developers and blockchain solutions in general. They're making some major headway in, in making that happen and working yeah, with developers. Absolutely, absolutely. But fantastic. But yeah, it's been great to catch up with you, David. And uh, I don't know whether or not you and the team are going to be at Blockchain Gamer Connects Hong Kong at all. Uh, I, yeah, we were thinking about it. It's in two weeks. When is it? Uh, it's, it's the seventeenth and eighteenth, to my understanding. Yeah, let me let me look into that, and I'll, I'll I can talk to you later. <laughs> oh yeah, I have to check. But no, but you. Be but you but no, it'd be great to like hear from yourselves. I mean, because we've only got a couple of like game developers out there that are leveraging from Neo. I think it's it's certainly a corner that needs to be spoken from, as well as the more blockchain agnostic approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely something we're going for. And I mean, like I said, it's just so early. We have to we have to check out which which blockchain is the best, which will create the best games for the gamers. Absolutely. It has to be a case of checking off the boxes of what's going to really bring those players in. Great. Are there 
Are there any games in particular that you're interested in right now that I should check out? Because you're, you're, you've got your pulse on the industry, so I'm curious. Well, I'd certainly say that a couple of ones that I'm keeping an eye on at the moment are like Reality Clash because they've got something in the works not too recently because they're attending Develop in Brighton to show off the next stage of their like development window. And I'm wondering just what exactly that's going to be entailing. But along with them, I've been keeping an eye on the likes of Battle Races, which has managed to rack up a good amount of investment from players in this community. They've been doing a pretty successful initial item offering, which concluded a few weeks back. And then there's... Yeah, I saw that. That looks really interesting. Uh, do they have a, a release date yet? I'm not 100% sure. I mean, they've been doing a couple of closed tests, well, closed multiplayer betas, I mm. believe, on Decentraland's platform, which, I mean, have been looking quite interesting, but I'll have to, like, check again with team to see when exactly people can expect to have that one as a release date. But I think along with that one, too, we've been keeping an eye on a lot of the stuff that Animoca Brands have been getting involved in. They've been a really powerful force in that sort of area, especially in publishing within like Southeast Asia. Yeah, I saw they had the, the F1 game coming out, the Formula One. Yeah, F1 Delta Time. They've got another auction for that one coming up. It's a, I, I refer to it once as a, a digital love letter to the F1 Grand Prix. So they did one recently with Monte Carlo's NFT. Yeah. Now they're doing one for the French involvement in the Grand Prix, which is quite interesting. Yeah. I've noticed IPs, uh, high IPs have done well in their pre-sales, like the MLB game, the baseball game, and uh, has there been a soccer game yet that's officially licensed? Because that would probably do well. Ooh, um, you say that. Uh, there are a couple that I can think of. I mean, So Rare, for example, have got, I think they've got licenses with, it's either the Belgian, um, the Belgian Football League or the Bundesliga, but I think yeah. Animoca Brands is also partnered with a uh, football like game developer that has licenses with the Bundesliga itself. You then also got uh, another one which has, I think, authorization from FIFA, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. There are a couple of football game titles out there, but yeah, I'm, I'll be it'll be interesting to see just who can collect up the most proverbial cards in that kind of way. There's another football title that we were talking about not too recently, uh, which was Soccer Manager Elite, previously goes by Soccer mm. Manager Crypto. We, uh, we've got there, I think one of their members of their team, Andrew Colosimo, uh, who's yeah. really active in our threads, but yeah, he's they're going after a really interesting IP. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I do think, I do think, uh, I mean, that's what we're looking for in blockchain, but that's what we keep looking for, I feel, is like, you know, legitimacy and those big IPs do add a bit of legitimacy to it. So it does make sense that games like the F1 or uh, football studios coming in kind of says, okay, blockchain is here. Blockchain is aligned with those big IPs. And it'd be interesting to see that happen in more strategy war games. You know, if like, if we really do see a Warhammer game coming to a blockchain or if we see, uh, I don't know, Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones game on blockchain, I think that's the kind of thing that would be like, oh, okay. It's Game of Thrones, and I can make money. Okay, that would be very interesting. Honestly, I think it's only a matter of time considering the fact that we're dealing with a lot of open-source blockchain solutions. I think it's only a matter of time before we have some like savvy-minded game developers decide that, okay, we can put to use these smart contract solutions in order to really create factions in a medieval game. I'd love to see somebody play around with smart contracts in order to create what we refer to as the... Uh, 
goals. It's not the Golden Band. It's like basically a mercenary army that was involved in Game of Thrones. I think. Oh, the yeah, the Golden Horde. No, I forgot the name. I know the Golden Company. That's what it is. Golden Company. That's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, it's yeah. Certainly... Well, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, but I mean that kind of that kind of application is, is certainly more than possible in this sort of space, which is remarkable. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's I mean that's that's what's interesting about working with it because in the beginning, you know, when I start the project, I get really excited and, and, and like, okay, everything's possible. There's so much we can do. And then we get into the development phase and we're actually working with the smart contract and like, oh, actually there's a lot we can't do. But it's also interesting to see, like for example, now with Neo 3.0, a lot of the problems we had with developing block lords on Neo, like they're going to be completely fixed by the time Neo 3.0 comes out. And so that means when, when Neo 3.0 comes out, we can take block lords and we can create a much, much better version with all that knowledge that we had and all those assets that we have from the previous version. So I do think it's it's good to have teams that just keep stretching the limits of what smart contracts should do. Exactly. And having those kind of development teams that are keeping their fingers on the proverbial pulse when it comes to who they're working with. I think that, that does a lot of favors for their ongoing development. Yeah. Totally. Well, I'll let you know about uh, Hong Kong. That sounds fun. I'm going to try to make it for sure. Fantastic stuff. But yeah, it was a pleasure speaking to you again. It would be great to uh, catch up in the near future too, especially as you start looking at other chain solutions for block lords. Yeah, sounds good. I'll keep you posted. We'll probably have some big announcements uh, later this month, actually. Ah, fantastic. I look forward to hearing it. All right. All right. Talk soon, James. Excellent. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Game on Blockchain. Now, be sure to stick around the website, blockchaingamer.biz, as well as checking out for the latest episode of Game on Blockchain, especially while we come up to the close of these events at Develop in Brighton, as well as FinTech Week. We're going to be catching up with a couple of really influential names and faces. Tony Pierce of Reality Clash fame, especially as they head down to Brighton to introduce the gaming community and developers to the next stage of Reality Clash in its marketplace, but also for individuals like myself going over to FinTech Week, trying to catch up and get a little bit of an update from the SVK crypto team, from Atari, for Block One, as well as uh, any other sort of pleasant surprises that we expect to see over in Shoreditch. But for those of you that are interested, definitely visit the website. It's going to be a hectic week. And by hectic, we mean damn right interesting. So for all things gaming and blockchain, make it blockchaingamer.biz and game on blockchain. Until then, 